Hey everyone, it's Sabretooth here, and welcome to Floor is Rising, the podcast about NFTs. With me is Kizu. You know, there's, there's been an episode that uh, we're talking about for emergence, and actually we originally recorded this uh, episode in April, and we just didn't release it. It was, it was meant to be the sort of the genesis episode of the podcast, but for one reason or another, we just didn't release it, and now we're sort of re-recording it, uh, mixing it with some of the other content that we previously recorded so if some of the content seems a bit out of date uh, it just means that it was sort of recorded two months prior today we're going to talk about the nft project Fromergence. Fromergence started on march 31st website is fromergence.art the founder as a lot of these crypto projects uh, quite commonly but not so much nft projects is an anonymous all we know about him is that he's brazilian uh, he's a computer scientist, um, and he's quite familiar with fractals. When, when the project launched, uh, it was a little bit unusual uh, in that every single Fromergence piece of art was released for free. The only costs to claim it was gas. And there was many sort of pauses in the claiming of the, of the art uh, that led to quite a bit of drama during the first one or two days of the project itself, which contributed to the huge viral spread of the project. The first sort of thing we want to talk about with Fromergence is something that is probably the most well-known feature aspect of the project, which is the deflationary burn feature of Fromergence. So how does this work? So Fromergence has a feature in its smart contract where you can take up to a maximum of nine Fromergences, burn them, and get back N minus one for emergence of a completely new type, new sort. So for example, you can take nine for emergences, burn them, and then you get eight back. Or you can take eight, burn them, and get seven back. Most collectors are either anonymous or pseudonymous. So the only thing you have to judge on is what are the other NFTs in their address. So during the first few days, um, whenever a Fromergence piece was bought, the entire community would sort of go and check out like who the addresses that bought it, right? And so if there was expensive, other expensive pieces of NFTs in there, for example, CryptoPunks, the whole community would be sort of cheering, yay, we got like a CryptoPunk purchaser on board. That would be extremely uh, bullish for the future. Um, of the project. Let's talk about the visual aspects of Fromergence. So obviously it's a place itself within the generative art. It's a completely on-chain generated art form. So you know, it's pioneered by autoglyphs, art blocks, and then now Fromergence sort of places itself within that. Where do you see the, you know, the visuals of Fromergence and, and how it places amongst, I guess, other artists or art? It seemed to me that that I think moving forward, we're going to see a lot of this kind of tribal guarding of visual territory. So whatever your tribe is, right, I think that artists are going to mine the visual kind of cues or expression that are native or, you know, endemic to their tribe. There's an infinite number of variations or iterations based on a f- kind of the unit of the fractal. And I think that there's that kind of automatic generative aspect to the art that has been produced from emergence. But I think, and it's not just from emergence, I think that now we're starting to see a bit more of the abstract kind of styles that are closely connected to the 
the, the potential and the kind of native native aesthetics or native formats that are associated with the programs that are used to mint NFT. Like, you know, in, in the old days, like you had people who produced MS Paint, that's a very early program too. And you use your mouse and you drag, you know, you press the color that you want and then you kind of, you, you don't have a lot of control over what do you sketch because the resolution's bad and your, your manual agility is restricted by how good you are with the mouse. I, I remember that very specifically because I think like it was something very clunky and it reflected the soft, not just the software at the time, but I think also like the, the user, the, the UX actually, the UI and UX of that time. And you, you couldn't really do anything because no one had a pen, right? You just had the mouse and you couldn't really, you have the left click and the right click and the way you dragged it around on your canvas on screen, like it, it, it produced this kind of image that was very clumsy because you were controlling it with the mouse and you didn't have a lot of like fine motor control over that. I think that's, that's the word that I'm looking for. So I think that's a good example where the medium really determines the kind of image that you can make. So with NFTs and with fractals and with emergence using this, I think that we're seeing the start of a visual idiom that is closely tied to what the program can produce, if that makes sense. So if you have, on the one hand, MS Paint, and obviously that those illustrator illustration programs have become more fine-grained and advanced over the years. But I think that's a good analogy to keep in mind, because I think that image making is always going to be tied to the technology that, that's native to it, basically. NFTs right now can be sort of delineated into on-chain and off-chain art. So off-chain art is what is currently uh, most people think of as, as NFTs, right? So we're talking about the beatballs of the world, the Murat Parks, all the drops that you see on Super Rare, mm. um, on, on Nifty Gateway, mm. on, all the, on pretty much every single platform other than art blocks. So what it is is that an artist is using some sort of off-chain tool, you know, whether it be... Photoshop, Illustrator, any sort of illustration software to, uh, or rendering um, to produce their works of art, which is usually in the form of image file, a movie file, uh, a vector file, anything like that. And then they would host that either on IPFS or on, on some sort of server, and then they would mint an NFT that points to that file. Medium-specific NFT, the first of which was pioneered actually by the creators of CryptoPunks um, called Autoglyphs. So what it is is that the entire uh, visual is not actually hosted anywhere, but it can, it's drawn from the smart contract. So, so essentially the smart contract itself draws the visuals itself, which means that there needs to be no hosted image file or movie file, but is entirely generated on-chain itself. On-chain generative art is, is a sociological sort of phenomenon to sort of preserve that, that NFT world that is sort of impenetrable to the traditional art world. Traditional artist is not going to be able to do on-chain on generative art or, or not able to do so without going through a huge learning curve. A lot of these collectors are developers uh, as a skill set. And on-chain generative art is, uh, has a huge you know, skill set that requires you to be a developer as well. So it's just kind of interesting that you know, in, the, in the crypto space generally, being a developer is a huge sort of bonus skill set. And it seems that the, the, the world of NFT art being developed on the blockchain is also trending towards you know, that coding skill set being highly valued, maybe even more highly valued than, than actual traditional art world. 
I think also traditionally in in the in the art world, the the critical acclaim or approval did come from a place where it was tied to whatever era you were in in a, in a 20th century, for example. Like the art that was considered critical, valid, innovative, and therefore of value was the art that was in tune with the technological innovations of its time. And whether or not that entailed like a very, you know, a self-awareness of the medium or whether it was paint or video or installation and, and pushing that envelope basically. So whatever art the artists were making had to be quite, they, they embraced the kind of medium that was in question. So now we're talking about NFTs, right? But um, back then it was, say, performance, where artists use their body in, in durational performances. Like, basically, it's, it's something more like theater, where, you know, the artist is performing, maybe not on a stage, but in front of an audience. For example, very well-known uh, movement called The Happenings in the 60s, uh, primarily in New York, where uh, the founder, Alan Caprao, and his kind of New York circle, they... They were making art that was against objecthood. So they wanted to make ephemeral performances. And these performances were not theatrical. They were actually very banal actions like drinking water or walking around in circles and stuff like that. So that was considered very you know, avant-garde and subversive at the time because it was so much... Again, I guess there, you know, that's a good example of something where there wasn't a technical innovation, but it was the consciousness that what they were making was going against everything else that was being made. And that was painting and sculpture. Subsequently, it became, it, it you know, was shown in the MoMA and, and Guggenheim and all these institutions that gave uh, validation to, to these forms of art that had a very different medium, right? Even though it wasn't technologically advanced per se. But I think it's the same it's the same refrain in the sense that whatever they were doing then in the 60s and whatever people are doing now in 2021, I think takes into account this whole constellation of social, technological, economic, political factors, right? So where does the art reside? Where does it exist? And I think it, the, and the answer, of course, is that it's in the smart contract. It's, it's very, it, it's a, it exists in a place that would not have been possible before the advent of NFTs and the blockchain. I think that's a simple answer. Nearly two months ago. And a lot has actually happened in this project, which is Emergence, which is made up of two sort of separate mini projects. One is called Fremergence and one is called Pulse Squares. The aesthetics of uh, Fremergence and what, what can you sort of shed light on in terms of um, how it compares to other art and maybe even other non-generative art. So um, Pulse Squares has what they call an upgrading process where you can enhance an existing piece that you have by burning another piece called, uh, it's a function called burn to compose. And then the piece that you already have will start to grow in what they call a constellation. It then starts to orbit the piece you already have in a kind of like circular you know, configuration around the original piece. So it's quite a literal visualization of that. It's like, but then the burning function actually adds to the piece in a very literal way. Uh, seems like a little bit of a devaluing of the, the original concept of it because the, the burn to compose is a bit disappointingly simplistic. I think, I mean, there's two things, right? So from a, from a technical perspective, I think at this stage, everything has to be very simplistic because... 
just from, from a smart contract perspective, there's just not a lot you can do. If you compare sort of on-chain generative art projects to off-chain generative art projects, you'll see that the, the generative projects that are not um, sort of on-chain are much more sophisticated than those on-chain just because the, the computation power that you can you know, draw to the project on-chain is, is so much more limited. Is actually, in a way, very, very symbolic of the larger crypto scene, right? Because if NFTs is supposed to be a representation of culture and specifically crypto culture, then I would say one of the most characteristic representations of crypto culture is the economics that crypto represents, right? And, and that economics is specifically Austrian economics. And, you know, Austrian economics makes a big fuss about scarcity and deflation. In this project, that deflationary burning of NFTs is such a huge feature of the project. We're all waiting for layer two and so on. Um, the kind of legitimate art that's truly crypto native and, and specific to the medium ironically, is being squeezed in terms of functionality. We could look back in three, five years and see, and see that actually, ah, this was like the kind of emergent period. And it's precisely the kind of more straightforward styles that were possible on-chain at the time. It's similar to how we look back at early internet art, people who now hearken back to that era as like a golden era of like what you could do with a very simple program something that's relatively straightforward actually has the, the endorsement of, of our history. I mean, up to this stage in sort of NFT history, I think generative art has proven to be a, a big seller. So, you know, sort of originated by sort of autoglyphs whose prices are now, uh, you know, fetching to the hundreds of thousands per piece. There's a thesis amongst NFT collectors that what's going to stand the test of time is, is, is something that's medium native, that is... Value judgment better than you know we're talking about art that is just taken off chain and then you know hosted somewhere and then someone mints an NFT. What's your you know take on on this view? I think everyone is pretty fixated on NFTs as a movement in and of itself, which is fine. I think obviously there are influences and and kind of like borrowings that one can point to. Well, what struck me so far mostly is that the market operates very much on a very different tune. It has its it has very different characteristics. It has the way in which buzz and um, interest is created around projects or works is very different. This is one of the first art movements where there's really a critical mass of audiences and collectors that are social media <laughs> or Twitter native. A lot of the discussions and opinion making is going on, right? And this didn't exist previously. I think we're seeing projects that are very conscious of that, especially of the value of the, the on-chain style and structure of the work. I think that that's quite significant and it has been throughout recent art history. But the question of whether that's enough to really um, become the main determinant of value I think it's a very open question. Prices of, of this project has gone up, you know, 10x in such a short space of time. What takes maybe decades is, is happening in a, in a space of weeks and days. And thank you. That's the uh, end of this episode. And I uh, look forward to hearing you again. Bye-bye.